You're listening to Carissa, the UFCVM communications intern and a pre-vet student. Figuring out morals and working through complex situations is vital for any leader, especially someone who tends to the health of many. Dr. Deal and Dr. Southern will present animal research and livestock care insight as they share awareness in fields known to have hot topics in vet med. Welcome to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, and I am so excited to bring on two veterinarians today to talk about a pretty tricky topic, something that you're going to be asked about on your letters of rec for the VEMCAS application. It's the big E ethics. And I'd like to welcome two Brittany's, Dr. Brittany Southern and Dr. Brittany Deal. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Thanks, Alex. Happy to be here. Uh, Both of these veterinarians have spoken to my undergrad classes. I knew they are great folks to talk about this topic, and their fields of vet med also make sense to talk about ethics today. But it's a hard topic to talk about, so I am pumped. Uh, Before we get started, will you all tell us undergrad, vet school, post-vet school journey, um, and then how you ended up at UF? All righty, yes. This is a very challenging topic, so we'll see where it goes today. So my name is Brittany Southern. I am originally from North Carolina. I went to UNC Chapel Hill for undergrad, and then I went to Tuskegee University in Alabama for veterinary school. And after vet school, I went and completed a small animal rotating internship in Houston, Texas, After my internship, I ended up working in practice for a few years as a small animal emergency clinician. Um, I quickly was burnt out, and I wanted to kind of go back to my first interest in vet school, which was working with animals and research. Um, So at that point, I pursued and completed a laboratory animal medicine residency at North Carolina State University. And I've been here in Florida for a few years now, and I work as faculty um, as a lab animal vet. So Dr. Southern is representing lab animal medicine today. Definitely big in ethics and lab animal. Dr. Deal, tell us your journey. Thanks, Alex. Um, I'm Brittany Deal. I'm originally from southwest Pennsylvania. Um, I grew up on a farm there, and then I moved. I went to West Virginia University in Morgantown for my Bachelor of Science degree, and then I went to Virginia Tech at Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine uh, for my DVM. I graduated there and then moved to Florida following uh, that to pursue an internship with the Food Animal Reproduction and Medicine Service, also called FARMS, at the veterinary school. And then after the conclusion of that one-year internship program, I started a combined master and residency program with the same department or same service, which is farms. And I'm finishing up that program right now, and that will be concluding in July. So Dr. Deal is representing food animal medicine. Another opportunity for us to talk about ethics. Okay, so this is going to be kind of a, a panel discussion, hearing from both areas of vet med. There are also lots of other areas of vet med that deal with ethical issues, pretty much every single area, I would say. You're dealing with animals, you're dealing with people, you have a lot of folks who are really passionate about animals, so ethics always come into play. So before we even get started, 
When we say ethics, what do we think of? What should the students be thinking of when they think of ethics? What is it? That is a great question. Um, I will say for a personal standpoint for me, I always loop ethics in with welfare. And so when I think of welfare, I think of, you know, the state of the animal and its current condition and everything in its environment. So, you know, the food that it's eating, how it's being cared for, how it's living. Um, And then I think ethics itself you know, even outside of veterinary medicine, it's just your day-to-day choices that you're making and your morals. Yeah, I agree with uh, Dr. Southern's statements there. And yeah, to me, just it's a simple thing, as simple as it sounds, even outside of the veterinary realm, it's the difference between right and wrong. Um, so, and we all have an innate knowing of what that is, and it's it's applying that, then you take that a step further to what your career, your job is, and in this specific scenario, it's veterinary medicine. I think we are going to jump all over the place because I am just like, my head is spinning because what is right and what is wrong could be different for each person. In the profession, do we have standards of ethics and things that are like, this is right and this is wrong and some things that are just not gray areas in your particular fields? Do you have those? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I will say for every single veterinarian, we all took an oath, right? When you graduate, you put your hand up and in that oath, it does talk about um, how you will practice and using your ethics um, so it is something that's very important. I think there are there's definitely professional judgment, right? That's kind of the beauty of medicine that you can make your own professional and clinical medical choices. Um, however, at the end of the day, yes, we do have an obligation to you know uphold these standards, and it can vary from person to person. Yeah, I completely agree with that, and then. In addition to that, most of us um, within the veterinary realm have um, veterinary organizations that are, you know, broader areas that we belong to. So, and the, most of those are very focused on certain species that we work with. So, some of those um, groups, uh, an example for for me at least, is the uh, AABP or the American Association of Bovine Practitioners. They have certain um, standpoints that they put out there that we. Um, uphold for certain topics and then there are other topics that there's not really a standpoint out there um, that again you have to use your own personal uh, clinical um, judgment to make a decision on what needs to be done for that animal and considering all those other things that we just previously mentioned and every aspect of veterinary medicine has something um, like that Um, just it varies again depending on you know, which species you see or which area you focus on. So when we say standpoints, are we saying that there are some folks or organizations who maybe don't agree with certain practices? And then if you are met with somebody like that in the press or the public, there's like a kind of a boilerplate standpoint of this is where we stand on this. Is that what we're talking about? Do we have an example of something that comes to mind of like, in this particular topic, our organization believes blank. So what's an example, like a concrete example? Yeah, so the first thing that comes to my mind, and this is, you know, from the AVMA, you can even find it on the AVMA website, um, is with horses and soaring. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of history with horses and their feet and making them have a certain gait. And so the AVMA has put out um, 
a statement basically saying, you know, their thoughts on it and their recommendations. And I think as Brittany said, you know, depending on the field of veterinary medicine that you work on work in, there are similar statements. So mm-hmm. I know for my specialty college, the American College of Lab Animal Medicine, um, we also have different statements. Um, one of the big ones would be like euthanasia. And so with euthanasia, there is um you know, we want to be able to provide a good death for these animals. And so there are certain guidelines on how we want to give an animal a good death, depending on the species, depending on the situation. It, I mean, like when you mentioned horse soaring, I think that's a good example. That actually used to be a question on our application many mm-hmm. moons ago to ask students what they, how they felt about horse soaring. We had a couple of like ethical issues. So on there, there was horse soaring, small um small animal shelter euthanasia mm-hmm. like i think gmos different things with like steroids hormones and like uh food animals and we'd ask the students like how would you approach a plan to this ethical issue and it's interesting because what i hear you saying is there are recommendations and there are standpoints but it doesn't sound like things that you can and can't do is that right so like for example if i'm a veterinarian and somebody asks me to like soar their horse which folks that means like kind of burning the backs of their feet to make them or like injuring the backs of their feet to make them walk a certain way. That's what Dr. Southern was talking about with their gait. Can a veterinarian still do that? Like they can do it, right? If they want to, like, let's use, let's use elective surgical procedures. So ear cropping, tail docking, declaws, those are things that are still allowed to happen. There's no laws against them, but each veterinarian would need to decide their personal, what, ethics, their their morals. Is that right? They're nodding their heads, yes, but they look like, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah, I mean, I agree. You can technically still perform these things, but um, it's those standpoints are put out there to definitely make you think, I guess, um, before you do that. And on top of it, if there were... Um, any type of, you know, complications or something that takes that a step further that, you know, even if, God forbid, litigation or something like that, because that does happen, um, were to have to get involved, then those standpoints are things that you're able to fall back on and show that you are doing the standard of care and, you know, by not performing that procedure, if it's something that that, that, that association is, you know, saying that they believe shouldn't be done, for example. So that's it's just basically an extra layer of protection in a way um, for us to just say that there has been, um, you know, research or just further looking into whatever this this issue is to say that this is really appropriate for an animal or not appropriate. I'm loving this discussion. I know it's hard to have, but I think it really is important. Also, just to make students aware that these things are going on. And even just mentioning litigation, you're going to be a a doctor. You're going to have a lot of responsibility, and things could happen. Uh, Clients could get angry. Um, People get sued all the time. Organizations get sued all the time. So it's really good for you to know what your ethical, what your ethics are going to be, what your morals are going to be, what you're going to stand for, what you're going to stand against. And so it's good to know that that's going to come up. What kinds of ethical issues come up in your particular field? So we're talking about lab animal medicine, which Dr. Southern, I'm going to ask you, like, let's say a five-year-old comes up to you and say, what's a lab animal vet? What would you tell them? Yeah, so fantastic question. So my job and what I am passionate about is providing care and the welfare of animals that are used in research. 
Um, so the state of our country currently, there are national laws. The FDA requires that any new medication or device that goes into a human has to be tested in an animal first. Um, so my job is to protect those animals, make sure that they are, have the best quality of life as possible while they are here. Um, they're sacrificing their life for science and for us. Um, so that's what I do. And Dr. Deal, same question. Five-year-old says, like, what's a food animal vet? What would you tell them? So for uh, food animals specifically, as far as we're concerned in the United States, that tip, that m- mostly encompasses um, dairy and beef cattle, small ruminants such as sheep and goats, and also swine, um, pigs. Some people may include uh, poultry in that as well. As far as um, the animals that I care for, poultry is not is not included, but in some realms that would be. So those are the animals that I primarily am responsible for um, seeing. So some of those things are very um, broad, like herd health types of things. So taking care of preventative care for animals as well as um, seeing sick animals and dealing with things like that. But on an even broader spectrum, another responsibility that um, is very important to my job is ensuring the health and welfare of our food supply. Okay. So now we all are on the same page as to what these two areas are. So I'll let Dr. Southern start. What are the ethical issues that you think people think of or like maybe that you know of in your particular field that often come up in lab animal medicine, things that folks are concerned about? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the big one for my field, I would say, is that not everybody agrees with using animals in research um, and everyone you know, has the right to their opinion. And it is a very touchy topic, right? We're talking about animals being used, sacrificing their lives, you know, being euthanized at the end of a study in order for humans to benefit from some sort of science and new medication. Um, And so there are people, there are organizations um, who, you know, have actually come together and organized and who do not agree with this. And so Um, Kind of the big thing that people will think of is animal rights. And so animal rights is different than animal welfare. Um, So just keeping in mind that, again, there are some people that don't support it. And so then we have to think about the ethics part of it. And so for me, you know, I'm really passionate about this because I think we all can think of somebody that has diabetes or cancer. And you think about someone with diabetes, them taking insulin like where did that insulin come from? How did we know it was safe before it went into a person? Goes into a human, and so it was tested on animals first in order for them to, you know, make it safe and efficacious to go in a person. Um, and so I'm not going to sit here and say if there's, you know, something that's right or wrong. Again, everybody is entitled to their own opinion, um, but that's basically the definition of ethic- ethics again, right? So thinking what you think is morally okay, what might not be morally okay. Um, And so for me, and kind of in the day-to-day in my work, I do kind of go through in my mind, okay, I see this mouse, for example, or a dog, for example. What's happening with this animal? What do they need to go through for this experiment to be productive? But at the same time, if this animal is sick, what kind of decisions do I need to make for that animal's welfare? If this animal is really sick and we're going to intervene and do something, does that mean that another animal has to be used to replace that one later? Um, So that's kind of the big thing on the day-to-day surface level. Animal rights versus animal welfare. Look it up, folks. 
Dr. Deal, same question for food and animal medicine. What's like the a big ethical issue or concern that folks think about or the students should know about? Yeah, so some of the same thing a little bit applies to on my areas. Um, Dr. Southern was mentioning, so there's a lot of people that uh, do and don't agree with, um, you know, eating meat or eating animal products and those types of things, which is uh, very much a everyday part of my life and job. So ensuring the health and welfare of those animals that we're doing just and doing right by those animals in order for them to um, feed us. Um, and again, I'm, I'm just like her, not going to say whether that is right or wrong. That's not what I'm here to argue. Um, but I'm here, my job is to ensure that those animals do have the best life possible. Um, you know, up until, uh, it is, uh, the, the end for them, um, whatever, depending on whatever their purpose is, um, at the end of the day, but that's a huge part. And then also, you know, within the realms of, of that production, there are certain things that, you know, need to be done to those animals in order to ensure that they, again, have the best life and best welfare. So some examples of that would be um, like in dairy cattle that um, have um, horns naturally, so doing dehorning or disbudding of animals, um, castration of uh, bulls to, to become steers. Those are just some, some very um, general examples um, of things, but that, and also just um, treatment of animals. There's the debates between organic and conventional um, operations and the use of uh, antibiotics and herbicides and pesticides and those types of things, which again, um, we could spend all day talking about. But um, at the end of the day, it's also, it also becomes a question of doing those things. Is that right or is that wrong? I, I'm not here to necessarily argue that, but again, just trying to make sure we're doing right by these animals um, with their time with us. You know, I think an argument or a statement I could hear someone coming up to y'all and saying could be, you're a veterinarian, your job is to love animals. Like, how can you do this to them? But really what you just said is that's exactly what you're doing. Like, we're going to use animals for different purposes, whether it's food, research, whatever. And as a veterinarian, you really are loving the animal by making sure they have the best care. Is that what you would say to somebody who maybe says, like, I thought you loved animals? Like, what would your response be to that? Absolutely. Um, for my field in particular, and this is kind of wild to think about, but you know, just a few decades ago, there were no rules surrounding the use of animals in research. And so literally anybody could do whatever they wanted with animals, which is really scary to think about. And so literally my job is to protect these animals. You know, the scientists that work with these animals, most of them are fabulous. They're fantastic to work with. And they have an understanding of, you know, animals and um, that side of it. But a lot of the time, they're not thinking about the welfare. You know, they're thinking about their science as they should be because we're relying on them to come with these new um, medications and things. And so they're not thinking about the welfare. And so that's my job. And absolutely, I'm there to protect them, to make sure that they are well taken care for. If we were not here, who knows what would be happening with them. Right. Like some veterinarian was like, um, I'm going to I signed an oath for ethics and I'm going to make sure these animals are safe. And we love that. Um, I think 
when students, those of you who are listening and are thinking about ethics, you might have an opinion about a certain topic, a certain area. I would really challenge you to find out the opposing viewpoint there because there's always two sides to every story. And if you're only going with what you've been taught from one perspective, you're not going to know the other side and you might have confused ethics at that, po- at that point. Um, one example that comes to mind for me, and we don't have anybody in the booth to talk about this issue, so I'll bring it up. Um, when we talk about like spay neuter, right? So trap neuter return, trap neuter release. It's a program where you'll go out and you'll spay and neuter cats to help like control the cat population. And and when I heard about that, when I first started at vet med, I was like, that program sounds amazing. Why wouldn't everybody love it? That's like absolutely perfect. But then wildlife folks came into the picture and explained that these cats are roaming around and like attacking the native wildlife. And I was like, oh, that's the other side of it. And I didn't know that. So there's like good points and bad points for each side. And you need to know both and be able to argue both sides, especially in an interview. If you're coming into an interview really hot about a certain topic, you should still be able to explain the other side to the admissions committee so they understand this person is mature and professional and they've done their research. And you can have an opinion, but you should also know the other side. So speaking of students, we'll take the we'll take the pressure off y'all for a minute. Let's talk about pre-vet students and how they can start to think about ethics and build their muscles for ethics. But I want to know from you both, because you both work with veterinary students. I'm sure you've both worked with undergrads. How can you tell if a student has good ethics? Because on this letter of rec, a veterinarian or another professional needs to rank them on a scale of excellent to poor for ethics. How would you find someone who could get that excellent score from you? What are some things they can do or say? Um, what kind of conversations can they have with you? How do you mark someone well for that? I don't know if that's a very easy question, Alex. It, it is not. <laughs> it is not. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I think going back to what we said at the beginning, you know, this ethics in general outside of veterinary medicine, it's a question of what is right and wrong. Um, and, and as we also mentioned before, what is right and wrong may look a little bit different to everybody. There are some very blatant things that everybody knows. Yes, you should do this. Or Murder. No, you, it's wrong. <laughs> right. Yes, you should do something. No, you shouldn't do something. But then there's a lot of other things that there's a bit of a gray area or, you know, there's a, maybe a reason that one re- in some circumstance, one thing might be right or another circumstance it might not be. Um but channeling that back to um, veterinary medicine as well, um, just uh, looking up some of those topics that we had already mentioned and using those in specific examples and explaining, going, taking it a step further, not just saying like, yeah, these are the two sides of the argument, but explaining them why you might have a standpoint on that um, and, and going taking it a step further, going more in depth and showing that you really understand Um, Because, again, we're not here to judge somebody, even if you're sitting on the other side of the admissions board, saying whether we agree or not agree, unless it's one of those things that's super blatant, yes or no. It's just something that you need to be able to strongly show that you have evidence or you have a, a, a very strong viewpoint on why you should or shouldn't do something. And the AVMA has a lot of um, standpoints out there on a lot of different topics. And even just the if you just search veterinary ethics and the AVMA in general, they have quite a bit of um, things that you can look at and read, and they provide uh, specific examples. So that would be um, just at a 
you know, a starting point, that's where I think I would recommend to go. I agree 1000%. Um, I think the only other thing that I would add is for the pre-vet students, hopefully everybody is working on getting their hours in the clinic. Um, so I would say when you're doing that and you're interacting with the veterinarians and the vet staff that you shadow, just pay attention to the decisions that they're making um, and kind of think about how you feel in that moment and if if you would make the same decision, if you would do something different, because I think that's a great place. You know, we kind of start with our mentors and we see what they do. And over time throughout your career, you kind of take a little bit from each person that you work with and then you mold it into your own. And I think that would go for your ethics as well. Um, and a lot of the things that Brittany mentioned, a lot of these viewpoints and statements that are put out there, um, like use of antibiotics and use of analgesia, things like that, over time, you will be able to see and find your comfort zone. Uh, but the big thing is seeing how you feel in the moment. And if you have a weird feeling about it, that's probably your intuition saying maybe you would do something different. Right. We're, we're basically talking about how is your moral compass at this point? And do you listen to it? I think what I'm thinking of when you both are, are chatting, it also can come down to how does a student respond to a mistake that they make? So if a student is in my lab or is, is my intern and they make a mistake and don't own up to it, part of that goes into ethics as well. You know, like if you're willing to own it and, and come clean. So it's Absolutely. knowing what's right and wrong, but also doing the right thing if you do something wrong. And I, I think just thinking about, yeah, the difference of opinion. We've been talking about difference of opinion. Nobody is right and wrong in a situation. And if you have a strong opinion about something and you can back it up, that's fine. I would say, mark me if I'm wrong, in general, I'll, I'll use D clause because I think a lot of folks know what that is. So, right, like, you know, taking the claws off of cats. I would, I feel like the majority of veterinarians at this point are not big fans of it, is my general understanding. However, if someone is still doing it, that doesn't mean they have poor ethics. They might just have a different viewpoint or opinion or a different lived experience. And if they can back that up and are doing things that they think are right by the animal and the client, we might have a different opinion, but we could still mark that person as high on ethics. What do you think? Do, you agree, do we agree with this? And it's okay yeah. if we don't. We, yeah. I would be happy to learn a lesson right now. I, I think you're probably right. I think most people, you know, there's mixed opinions. And it really depends on the cat situation, too. So, again, thinking about its welfare, thinking about its environment, does it go outside, does it stay inside, is it an old, you know, a, a cat that has health issues? Um, so you have to take all of that into consideration. And I there's a lot of judgment in veterinary medicine. A lot. As in every single, you know, every wherever you work, no matter your field. Um and it's easy for us to judge a situation without knowing the full story. Right. Um, so we have to try to extend grace. And I think if you do what you were saying about the students, you know, try to get the full picture mm. and try to understand where the other person, your colleague, mm -hmm. right, is coming from mm -hmm. because they may have a reason for doing it. Right. I think it gets into a risky – as a society, we're going to get existential right now if you, if you all <laughs> will come with me on this journey. As a society, I think it could get really risky if we really start going very black and white. If we're like, this is 100% this is right and this is always wrong. Because even though I did made a joke about murder earlier, sometimes like 
that actually might be the right move in a situation. Like if you're fighting for your life, like you might have to do that. So I take that back. Like they're, they're, everything really can be gray and it really is situational dependent. And we all are coming to situations with different lenses. So for each person, right and wrong can, ooh, ethics sucks. Mm -hmm. Ethics is rough. This is rough. This is rough. That actually just made me think of an example. And this is an example for someone that's interested in going in practice, right? So I remember when I was working in Houston, um, maybe during my internship or when I was working emergency, there was a client who brought in their dog and the front desk staff said, hey, somebody's here to euthanize their dog. So, you know, the vet techs bring the dog back. This dog looks perfectly healthy, likes walking around, wagging its tail, looks fine to me. I do my exam and I'm sitting there thinking, why would this person want to euthanize this dog? Sure. And so go and talk to the person and they're just like, oh, we just don't want the dog anymore. And so in my mind, I'm kind of freaking out, you know, because I'm still a baby doctor. Like, am I supposed to euthanize this completely healthy dog? And so we have a conversation about, are there other options besides euthanizing this dog? Just because you don't want it anymore, whatever the situation was, there are other things that we could do, right? You can find another family for it to go to, um, change up its environment. And so I think that too is another situation where, yes, euthanasia is something, again, providing a good death to these animals, but doing it in a manner where it's necessary. Because yeah. a lot of times, um, you know, you have to make that ethical decision. The client might want to do this, but in your mind, you're thinking something different. Ew. So what happened? What did you, I didn't euth- you didn't euthanize I did not euthanize it. it. I was not comfortable making that move. Mm-hmm. And again, there's other alternatives that you can right. do, right? Right. And so, again, there may have been a veterinarian who would have euthanized There, there might dog. have been, 100%. There's absolutely, because you get money for that, You do. Right? You could lose a client. Mm-hmm. You lose a client, yep. you get money, and then money is a huge part of ethics as well, right? Well, I mean, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. Absolutely. Maybe, uh, you know, my, my godmother had a, a saying, and it was always, do whatever you're going to do to sleep at night. And so that's what we're kind of talking about here, folks, is like, what will allow you to sleep at night? What do you feel right and wrong about? What can you live with? Do what you can live with. And for that situation, Dr. Southern could not live with euthanizing this animal. Maybe somebody else could, and we're not going to judge them. I mean, inside, we, you know, each person, (laughs) you might be judging them, but you don't know the reasoning behind. And that's why it's really important to have these kinds of conversations to lead with intent and curiosity and, and ask people not from a defensive side, but a fascinated side of like, Oh, tell me more. Why tell me about this so I can understand it better. And then you can have a, a, a bigger picture where everything isn't black and white, but full of color. Well, we've talked a lot about the welfare of animals, but as we know, veterinary medicine is a people profession. So can you tell me when do, like how your ethics as maybe a manager or a teammate come into play when you're working through an ethical situation with the folks on your team? Yeah, so it's really important to take care of the people on your team. Um, Especially as a veterinarian, you're kind of automatically assumed to be the leader. And so you need to take care of your veterinary technicians. They are the bread and butter of everything that we do. Um, And we learn from them, right? And so there can be situations where your staff might 
get into an altercation with a client or they might make a mistake. And so, again, thinking of ethics and thinking of your morals, um, you want to be able to stand up for people when you have that opportunity. I think having a boss that I knew or a supervisor would go to bat for me, would make me feel more comfortable and confident in their decisions in general. And you have to have that trust with your team. And then that team is going to help back you up if you do make a call that maybe a client doesn't agree with. So having the trust all around, having each other's backs, knowing who that person is and what their ethics are will help you defend that person. And you can say, like, I know who this person is and they would not do something like that or they wouldn't do something like that without a good reason. Give me a second to go chat with them. So you also need to, you need to protect your animals, but you need to protect your people as well. Well, I don't know about you two, but I am ethically exhausted. Wow, what a chat. Uh, we always like to ask our guests to give a piece of advice that either helped you on your journey or something you want the pre-vet students to know. You know, these are folks who are, are of all different ages and backgrounds, but what would you need to hear if you were listening to a pre-vet podcast before you got into veterinary school? Yeah, so I think... Um Leading up, you know, even when I got into vet school, you still somewhat have a bit of a narrow mind about certain things. So keeping an open mind the entire time, I think, is is really important. You never know what's going to come down the road, maybe something that you, you didn't even know existed before. So keeping your mind open um, to, uh, you know, the the different opportunities within the profession itself and even uh, outside of it. And that, you know, also ties back into helping you guys be able to answer all these questions and things like that that's going to come up in your interviews. But even beyond that, once you, you know, get accepted into school or wherever life leads you, keeping an open mind, I think, is, is really important. And then, you know, not just for your career, but then on the outside, these ethical decisions that you're making, you have to keep an open mind, keep your, your viewpoint, um, able to accept other people's sides of things so that you can really make the best uh, call at the end of the day and not just not just hone in on one specific area and, and forget about everything else. Yeah, absolutely. I think I would add that veterinary medicine is challenging. We make a lot of decisions every day, so it's really important to find an outlet. It's important to find something to keep yourself balanced. So figuring that out now while you're a student is really, really important. It will help you in vet school, and it will help you beyond um, once you get into your career. So finding something to keep you balanced um, and then in addition, something for right now, finding a mentor, that's really important. Finding someone that you can ask questions, somebody that can help guide you, someone that will be honest with you. Um, yeah. And then keeping yourself well-rounded, well like Brittany said. Yes. Yes. Good advice. Staying open-minded. You don't know what you're going to learn from each person, from each lecture, from each experience with an animal, and also having a great mentor who can help be that like guiding force and that help you with your moral compass will be uh, awesome. I think the big word here, folks, is sketchy. You don't want to be around folks who are sketchy and you don't want to do anything that's sketchy. That's ethics in a nutshell. Thank you both so much. It was so fun to talk with you, even though this is a heavy topic, and I think you made it very palatable. So thank you for your willingness to have a candid, difficult conversation. Thanks for having us, Alex. It was a lot of fun. Yes, of course. Thank you so much. I'm Alex Avellino, and we'll talk to you soon. Excited?
Yep. Is it the, it's something that wakes you up in the morning talking about ethics? No. No. Not at all. I'm just worried that I'm not going to have adequate answers <laughs> for this. Same, same. I wouldn't have asked you to be on if I had any doubt. Ready? Let's do sure. it. Okay. <laughs> 